0: Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market Site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Carter Worth, Mark Tepper and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, the S&P 500 closing at a record high for the second straight day as a bull run rages on. And there is one name that has lagged the market for the last decade that the chart master says is about to break out. You won't believe what it is. We start off with breaking news out of Tesla charging higher after the company reported delivery numbers moments ago. Record ones at that. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with the very latest on this. Phil.
1: Melissa, Elon Musk said they were close to setting a record for the second quarter, and they did, in fact, do that. Here are the important numbers that people are focusing on this afternoon. Total deliveries coming in at 95200 The Model 3 numbers, this was what everybody was focused on of all of these, 77500 For some context here... Wall Street was expecting 74100 so they blew past that number. And then Model S and X, also stronger than expected, coming in at just over 17000 And there's also good news regarding the backlog. In the release, Tesla says orders generated during the quarter exceeded our deliveries. Thus, we are entering Q3 with an increase in our order backlog. Elon Musk has said for some time there is not a demand problem, and now they're saying where really isn't a demand problem. We are seeing an increase in the number of orders that are out there. This is the chart that shows the increase in Model 3 deliveries. Remember how it fell off in the first quarter? That's what sparked everybody saying, look, there might be a demand issue here. Why are they not uh, fulfilling as many deliveries? They blew past the estimate of 74,100, delivering 77,550. In terms of production in the second quarter, 87,000, just over 87,000 vehicles were produced at Tesla. They do not break it down by region, however, Melissa, so it's hard to know how much of this is North America. Likely a good chunk of it, the majority, is North America and the United States. How much is Europe, which has been increasing in deliveries, and then the wild card in all this. How many of these deliveries were to China? Remember, there is a tariff on vehicles built in California and then shipped to China right now.
0: Yeah, we should know too, Phil. That the company says it will no longer report vehicles in transit after this quarter. So that's sort of a change yep. in the numbers that they will release. In terms of the questions that are answered with this release and unanswered, Phil, what would you put in each category? I mean, in terms of the answered, some might say that the demand issue might be answered, a cannibalization issue might s- be answered. I would say that
1: yes. Okay,
0: and, and, then in and, terms and of the, especially uh-huh.
1: on the demand side, because remember, there was so much was made by a number of analysts that you had. A EV tax credit, the federal EV tax credit in the United States, was cut in half from the second half of last year to the first half of this year. People said, boy, you're really asking people, do you want to step up and buy the vehicle if you're not getting as much of a a, a tax credit there? So that question has been answered, and especially with the fact that they're saying, look, our order backlog is growing from the second quarter to to the third quarter. So it would seem that they have put to rest this question about whether or not they have just burned through all of the previous reservations, hand-raisers, whatever name you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, for the Model 3. And that they are growing and generating greater interest.
0: But in terms of the unanswered questions still that remain, even with this release, Phil, it would be margins, right? And then oh, yeah. Whether, and it's then, definitely margin. Yeah. And definitely then,
1: margin. What was the price that you sold these Model 3s at? And, and, and what was the mix? That's that's really what it comes down to.
0: Do we have a sense? Would we have a sense of how much, how many sales have been pulled forward because of this drop in the federal tax credit?
1: Well, I would assume not much, okay. M- Melissa. I mean, if you if you've got if your order backlog is growing now, right? We don't know exactly which order backlog is growing here. Is it growing mainly for the three? That would be the assumption. How much is it also growing for the S and the X as well? I mean, these are numbers that when they come out with their Q2 financials, that's going to shed a lot of light in terms of how much pressure is being put on margins.
0: Okay. Phil, thank you. LeBeau in Chicago breaking the numbers down for us. We should know Tesla shares are up about 7% in the after hours session. So does this delivery number change the bear thesis? And I will go to perhaps the biggest bear here on this desk, and that would be Tim Seymour, who went short. Well, yeah, I don't don't
2: think this changes the bear thesis. I don't know how we can answer demand. I I think if anything, first of all, we had moved the bar so low in terms of those second quarter deliveries. If I if I had these numbers up, um, we're we're still averaging about 350, which is below their 360 to 400, which that's if they can continue to do this. And and I think we knew that they were going to pull a few rabbits out of the hat for the second quarter. I think they have to. Um, to, to not talk about financials with this company is to really miss one of the biggest issues. But um, I, I think, look, good for them. The, the, the reality is the the other issues that this company is facing. They continue to see mass exodus from uh, their executive ranks. They've had three more important people in the last week, including uh, their head of production, their their head of engineering, Steve McManus announced. Uh, their head of Europe announced. So I mean, it, it is in a couple cases to go to key competitors. So um, I look to me, the issue is. I think demand is very much still in question. I think the, the, the company is going to also tell you that they're not in a position to grow aggressively because, in fact, they're doing everything they can to secure and conserve cash. We know they're scrambling to raise money. Uh, I think the best thing that's going on for them right now is that credit, credit spreads right now have gotten to be all-time tights, and people seem to be throwing money at the problem.
0: Just to play devil, devil's advocate, I mean, order backlog is growing. We had SNX and X higher than expected. We had three higher than expected. How can we say that there's a demand question at least... As of the end of the quarter, in terms of well, the growth, they're building a new factory in China. On,
3: it was a huge miss last quarter in Q1 deliveries. Yes, very so, true. So, so, and then to very your true. point about, um, so you the bar have, that, is low. and then you also have the, uh, you know, the, the, this tax credit going away. So, to me, I mean, I think to Tim's point, you're going to smooth this stuff out. And I think Tim also made a really good point that you just kind of glossed over. You know, if you're a company and the expectations are so low and sentiment is so bad and short interest is so high, um, why wouldn't you put out a little piece of information on the financials, just reaffirming guidance or something like that? Because you know, they're
0: going to report earnings in a few weeks. Well,
3: but Mel, I mean, if there's a material, if there's material improvement in, in in their margins or something like that, why wouldn't you do that right now? Well, I mean, the real like, to tell be, is,
4: look, this is not up a lot. This stock moves ten and fifteen percent all the time. It's only up seven eight percent in the in the night market here. If it was really a game changer, you can be up twenty thirty. You can have a move like that with a stock that this heavily shorted. It's a fairly uninspiring reaction
5: yeah i mean over eighty percent of the deliveries were the model three which is geared towards that middle-class consumer the tax credit was just cut in half again it goes away at the end of the year and that is going to hurt the middle-class consumer. Beyond that, you've got more competition entering the space. You've got companies like Volkswagen competing with the Model 3. You've got Porsche rolling out a vehicle to compete with the Model S. So I don't know that this, this increase in demand is really here to stay. Yeah, I, and let's be frank, okay, for the better part
3: of 2018, when the stock seemed like it was just trading you know, north of 300 for most of the yeah. year, the, the major part of this story was this mass-market vehicle and the proliferation of this Model 3, and at the time, you know there was lots of questions about what they could actually produce and what they could ship and they had pre-orders for what 400,000 or something like that so that was the bull case so if they start materially beating listen they beat the expectations of the model three by four percent I mean I don't think there's anyone you know doing uh cartwheels over here because
2: they're still below their their 2019 targets at least if you analyze these numbers and and um I, I just I think about what do deliveries now matter when deliveries didn't matter it's like the standard which people follow, this company seems to change on a daily basis. I'm not saying that that we're doing that here, but um, if deliveries are the holy grail right now, then this company should should probably be knocked down. This was a very very good number relative to expectations. But um, if you talk to some of the biggest bulls, and we've had them on our show, and they continue to be pointing to this company more as a data story, and and you know the head start that they have on competition in terms of miles traveled and and the database that they're building is really where the value of the company is. So you know some of these numbers should be. If you think that the valuation of the company is tied to things that have nothing to do with this being an auto company, and yet here we are talking about deliveries, I, I, I just, you know, to me, there's so many things about the valuation that are difficult to, to swallow, and we haven't even talked about the competition that we know is closing fast.
0: You made a great call on, tactically on a trade in Tesla, and then the last time you talked about Tesla that I was on, maybe you talked about last week, <clears throat> you said that you, you didn't know where it was going to go. It was anybody's guess at that point. Right, meaning, so now, uh,
4: so now you're back. Well, what there is, if you just look at the chart, and you might have it there in front of you, those who are watching, you have a wall of dead bodies above you. Basically, if you look at the three-year chart, That sounds what, like night fright, man. Well, it dead. is. It's like it a is, game supply, right? so <laughs> <Yeah>. The 250 <laughs> level, you have what's called overhead supply. Unhappy shareholders who, by definition, have lost money, and the stock continues every time when it hits 250 to back away because sellers emerge. Dead bodies, overhead supply, difficult level.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I think now there's even more uh, of a lack of transparency, too. They're eliminating, what, customer vehicles in transit. And that's typically not a good thing for a management team that already lacks credibility. You'd want to see more from them. Beyond that, they lost another key executive today. So that revolving door just continues to be an issue.
0: For more on Tesla, let's bring in Loop Ventures founder and fast money friend Gene Munster. Gene, great to have you with us. I am surrounded by bears on this stock. You like this release. Tell me, tell me what this sort of resolved in terms of the, the bear case against the stock.
6: I, I want to take a step back and talk about that demand topic. Mm-hmm. and The 400,000 number has been thrown out there. That really solidified investors' view that the Model 3 is off to a fast start. And then we move forward to the December quarter when the Model 3 peaked and then it dipped down in the March quarter. That really set this expectation that the company was going to continue to decline. And this was simply a pent-up demand, unprecedented demand for a new product. And this reversal, and, and I would also point out that even though they slightly beat some of the expectation, the whisper numbers were much lower than what they actually reported. So this was entrenched, I think, in street thinking, is that it's hard to pick what the underlying demand is. And I would point to uh, two numbers. In the March quarter, they did 63,000, excuse me, in the December quarter, they peaked Model 3 at 63,000 deliveries. They did 77,000. It went down in March, and then now it's gone up to 77,000. Uh, there was more headwinds than tailwinds in the June quarter. Uh, We can go through them, I'll set them off to the side here, but if you take that, maybe the base case, that there was equal head and tailwinds for the June quarter, and they stepped up from the peak Model 3 quarter, and they have greater demand. I think it, uh, or at least the backlog is greater that they entered. I think the case is powerful, that there is something bigger going on here. Electric cars are undoubtedly the future, and so I see this as a, a powerful step forward. The company is far from perfect. Uh, Some of the things that Tim talked about, about management deliveries, as someone who supports the story, I'm most concerned about, excuse me, management uh, uh, departures, I'm most concerned about that. Uh, But that said, I think it's focusing on too much of the details. The big picture is pretty simple, is that this current demand is not about pent-up demand for Model 3.
0: Are you concerned at all that in order to achieve these uh, levels of sales for the Model 3 specifically, that margins were compressed in the quarter?
6: I'm not as concerned. I think that's more or less a wash. uh, Given they have recently raised money, our math suggests that as long as they do 80,000 or greater vehicles per quarter at a, call it a 10% margin, which is a little bit below their expectations, they should have money to the end of 2021. Now, that's not a perfect world. That's one of the problems with the Tesla story. But I'm not as concerned about the cash piece as I was three months ago before they did this, uh, call it $2.5 billion raise. Hey, Gene, it's Tim. Aren't you concerned that they haven't reaffirmed 2019 guidance here? I mean, these were great numbers. Wouldn't they have come in
2: and once again, because in the first quarter they reaffirmed 2019 guidance, you'd think that this would be a great time to say, by the way, 360 to 400 looks really, really good. Or have they pulled forward a lot more demand? And is it, no, you know, is, is it not uh, something that we, we can expect?
6: I would be concerned if not for them talking about the backlog grew in the quarter, which tends to be a leading indicator of where guidance is, and so uh, that was noteworthy. That did uh, uh, stick out. It was a point of concern, but again, I think it's less of a concern when you think about what's happened with the backlog.
3: Um, Gene, does it concern you though? Also, w- w- when you think about um, just deliveries here, um, you know. Actually, I got I to give up. I'm sorry. Uh, when do you guys take
2: this? Well, I'll tell you, Gene, here's one more question. You know, about that. you talked about details. I mean, of, of, of you have key, key executive leaving the company um, who seemingly knew about these great results. Also, it, it, this is not a concern. You're, you're talking about the big picture. But the big picture is that the most talented people at this company outside of the CEO have largely left this firm at a time when there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of questions about corporate governance.
6: So uh, it's, there's no easy way to, to, to uh, I mean, this is negative. I want to be clear about that. It's negative what's happened. I would also point these departures have happened, and this is part of the negativity for the last year and a half, but here we are uh, at the end of the June quarter uh, with still some impressive results. And you cannot sustain a company with the kind of departures that they've had. But I think that the company has enough trajectory right now, uh, at least over their, uh, with the current lineup of their current team. To get them to a point where you don't have to worry about solvency and at that point i suspect that the retention should improve some of this intense pressure environment that they have which ultimately forces some people out of the company i think should subside so i'm uh, looking at this as something that is part of a symptom of a company that was in a lot of pain and i think that as that starts to ease they should have better retention
0: are you surprised or concerned that the stock is up seven point six percent when thirty five percent of the shares outstanding are short. I mean there should be a massive squeeze if this number was really that bullish. Now I mean Carter made this point earlier. I think that's right. 7.6% for a name like Tesla seems like nothing.
6: Agreed. It's 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 like nothing. The bull bear case is is far from over. I think that our conversation is evidence of that and I uh I'm not surprised by it uh and I think that this will continue. I think investors are going to want to see uh, several quarters of that before this uh, ultimately gets back to some uh, form of stability. So not surprised in, in the in the questions. Let's say they have a, a good uh, September quarter. Let's fast forward mm-hmm. to a decent September quarter. Uh, the question will be, what about December? And uh, unfortunately, it's just a, at some point, some level, it's a show me story. One other thing, Melissa, on that yep. is I've covered stocks for a long time. Never seen uh, a, a story that is so emotionally charged on both sides. And since it's so charged, uh, we're going to have this bull bear debate for a long time.
0: All right, Gene, thank you. Always great to get your analysis, Gene Munster of thank Loop you. Ventures. Um, so this is a stock that had a massive June, right? But still down 30% or so year to date. The question for every investor is: you put money in this stock, it takes away your ability from allocating that money to another investment, which may yield you a greater return. So would you put it in Tesla or something else? I'm not going to. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Well, he
3: just saved me before. So I'm going to come back in here. My mind just went blank. I'm sorry about that. But here, here's the deal. Carter had the call when the thing got massively oversold, when it broke the levels where it's trading right now in the aftermarket in 245, you know, earlier this year, it went down 25% in a straight line. It got really oversold. We know how much the analyst community hates this stock. There's 17 cells in the stock, 31% short interest. You have to buy this thing when it's down in the hole. Can I say
2: one quick thing, you know, we have we have a case where now I think Elon, much like our president does this massively has changed the conversation from cash flow and solvency to deliveries and i you know this is not what we should be talking about
0: so i had the s p 500 closing in a new all-time high today the chart master says there is one stock that has been sitting out this bull run that's about to come back to life he will tell us what that is plus fast food on fire this year as mcdonald's and starbucks hit record high after record high but there is one name in the group the traders are calling a no touch we've got the details we're live from times square in new york much more fast money just two minutes away Welcome back to Fast Money. The S&P 500 closing at a new record high for the second straight day. REITs, utilities, and communication stocks leading the markets today, all up 1% or more for the session. The new highs come as we officially enter the longest period of economic expansion in U.S. history. But the chartmaster says there is one stock that sat out this decade-long bull run that is about to break out. Walk over to the plasma card. I want you show to show us where you're platform. looking Come on, man. Yeah, come on, come on. There we <laughs> go. Get out so, right
4: <laughs> so the mighty Goldman Sachs, if one can imagine this, of course, has Uh, negative returns since the markets peak the prior bull market high and it looks like it's coming to life it's a Dow component and I think uh, the thing to do is be long here's the start date it's not arbitrary I just picked it was a Thursday we know is October 11th 2007 and we had our financial crisis in our bear market S&P drops 50% Goldman drops 80 and then from that day that Thursday to present this is what one has as an investment experience being in the market versus being in Goldman, and that is pretty darn bad. Um, the issue is is maybe uh, something about to change. Let's move on to the next slide and take a few charts and figure out what we can figure out. Another way, that comparative chart, another way to do it is to do a relative chart. So now I've got Goldman on top, same starting date, and now I've got relative performance the S&P. Basically, Goldman is right at it's 09 financial crisis low relative performance it's quite remarkable and yet it's holding let's go forward one more and zero in on this so here it is now on a one-year basis and what appeals to me is that we're we're trying to fight here and trying to put in something of a relative bottom now this is relative to the s&p watch relative to its peer group the s&p investment bank and brokerage much better, right? So, compared to Morgan Stanley, which is more rate-sensitive and other stocks in the basket, Goldman is actually coming to life. And that is appealing. A few more and then I'm done. Now, this is, on a longer-term basis, the relative performance to the peer group. And I think you could draw the line several different ways. Watch what comes next. One way to do it is this. You have a head and shoulders bottom on the relative. You also have a move above the downtrend line. Put it all together. We're just getting into the point where we've moved above that line. I think that's very important. Now to the absolute chart of Goldman itself. We've just broken above this line. Our 150 moving average is just starting to turn. I think what you've got here is something on the order of this. And I want to draw the green arrow like that.
0: All right. That's it. Carter, why don't you come back over to the desk and we'll trade it in the meantime. Would you
5: buy Goldman Sachs? Uh, I prefer J.P. Morgan here, but I think when you when you look at these banks in general, uh, you know Goldman basically they just increased their dividend by nearly fifty percent, right? So in the past, this has been a stock that attracted value investors. Now I think you have some of those dividend investors who are actually interested in stocks like this as well. I mean, you're getting a higher or you're getting a, a good yield with. Half the valuation of utility, so it's not a bad play.
0: What's that term you use for charts you don't like? The worst chart you've <laughs> the worst ever worst chart I've seen? ever seen. Is so, this one of them?
5: No, I mean. So no, here's the thing. Really. I, one of the things
3: I think is really interesting about Goldman is that um, you know it's been trading in this range, uh, obviously since that initial ramp on the V reversal back in January, mm-hmm. and it's been trading in this range, has been unable to break out. Um, it shows very poor relative performance to the money setter banks. Wouldn't you agree? At least in 2019. Sure. And what I see. Something different. I see the fact that Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs have been unable to participate with their larger money center peers. I think that's bearish. And they're then I look had, at their different, different banks. That's right. I understand, but then I, let's go over to Europe for one second and look at the the Euro stocks bank index. It's one of the worst charts I have ever. That's seen. the one. No, that is <laughs> the one. Right. Okay? The worst And then when you think about what's going on with Deutsche Bank, and you and I over a beer last night, were talking about this. I don't know. You're talking about Nick Tixis's H2O fund, corporate bond fund. He was bullish
2: on though.
3: But he's talking about the liquidation of one of their credit funds. And I'm saying to myself, maybe there's a reason why Goldman and Morgan don't act well. Maybe there's a reason why the SX70, the Eurostox Bank Index, cannot stick its head above water. You're saying they're exposed there's, to uh, Europe. You say yeah, the exposure I'm saying to Europe saying that a, a, there, there, a, there may be some things Europe. going on. The reason for this underperformance in the banks in general might be like the canary in the right, coal but mine. But it's not
4: a bank, right? I mean, it is. And it isn't tied to rates the way sort of online brokers but are. But it is, though, Carter. Hold on a is. second.
3: These guys have been lending money to all these private companies because these from, because Classic rates lender. have been it's so low, they've been bank, take, Hold on, but they've been taking public. It's women. not a money center bank. I understand that. Well, but, I mean, but let me. They're, they're two different businesses. Okay, but I'm telling you that actually when you think about these guys as investment banks, shouldn't they be acting better in this environment if they don't have the rate exposure? We're talking about if they don't have the rate right, so, exposure, I mean, why part are they of the acting The opportunity
4: better? here is how bad it is. I mean, the, what I was trying to show there, the thing's actually lost your money for a decade from yeah. its prior high. Um, but it's day-to-day action, the, and most specific, relative changed. to Morgan Stanley is a, is a bit better.
2: I, look, Goldman Sachs, more than Morgan Stanley's, business changed entirely by the regulatory environment. They, they were neutered. Um, they were neutered in terms of the ability to, to take uh, leverage. They've also had a couple um, right. high-profile, uh, difficult situations right. they've gotten themselves into. And when uh, things went out, that three are not resolved, you know, they'll
4: never have the ROEs that yeah. they had at those peaks. That's ever. right.
0: Right. Well, for more on the markets, head on over to tradingnation.cNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up tonight on Fast.
7: Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Investors are ordering up the fast food stocks this year. But one trader says the supersized rally is about to blow up. Plus, the Bitcoin hodlers are howling as the crypto went from nearly 14,000 to under 10,000 in just the last week. But there's something in the charts that suggests another big breakout. We've got those details. Much more Fast Money after the break. A new CNBC survey shows a third of Americans are tightening their belts and cutting spending plans. But 70% still plan to go on vacation this summer. 34% will spend between one and five grand. 8% will spend between five and $10,000. 21% will fly somewhere in the US. 9% of Americans plan to go abroad. The full survey from CNBC, the investing site Acorns, and SurveyMonkey is online now. Go to cnbc.com slash invest in you today.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Consumer discretionary near an all-time high, and there's one group of stocks in the space serving up huge gains this year. Dom Chu is back at headquarters with more on this. Hey, Dom.
8: Well, Melissa, when it comes to consumer spending, there is a pretty big expectation that the good times will keep rolling when it comes to dining out. The consumer discretionary sector is the second best performer of the year and restaurant stocks are helping to lead the way higher. Around a third of the stocks in the sector are within 5% of their respective 52 week highs or better. And many of them are geared towards food and beverage. For example, shares of Chipotle, they've been some of the best performers in the S&P overall in 2019. They're up around 66% or so year-to-date, and they're roughly 4% below their recent highs. Darden Restaurants, which owns the Olive Garden and Longhorn Steakhouse, among other brands, they're up 20% year-to-date and around 4% away from its recent highs. And then three of the four stocks in the sector closest to their recent highs Number one, Taco Bell, KFC and Pizza Hut parent Yum Brands. It's up 20% year to date, it's within 1% 1% of recent highs, McDonald's 17% gain year-to-date, less than a percent away from its highs, and Starbucks continues its big run, a 32% gainer year-to-date, and sitting right around its own high as well. Now, the momentum has been positive and relatively strong for restaurant stocks, but the big issue is if it'll last, and if, Melissa, there ends up being a more substantial slowdown in the economy. Of course, Friday's big jobs number will be the latest data point in how healthy the U.S. Economy is. We'll send things back over to you.
0: All right, Dom. Thank you, Dom. Chu back at headquarters. So, given all these moves, we thought it would be the perfect time to play our favorite game. Oh, that's right, trade it or fade it. Our favorite game. We all know how this works. I think. (laughs) So, hey. Tim, we're going to kick it off with you, Chipotle. What do you say, trade it or fade it? I'm
2: going to fade it. Um, and boy, I, I should fade into 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 left field on this because I've been wrong for I don't know three, four hundred, five hundred dollars in this stock. I, I just I don't love the multiple. I think the company's made a great comeback. Brian Nichols done a great job at the helm. I fade it.
0: Carter, what would you say on Chipotle? Well, all Chipotle's
4: done, if you think about it, is gotten right back to the point where three years ago, everybody started getting sick. Right. Right? (laughs) Three sickness uh, levels. Right. No, it just has returned there and stopped. It's the nature of overhead supply. So here it sits, back to where it was, and now what? I think it's stuck. It's just sort of a boring thing.
6: Mm. So So what are you doing?
4: Well, uh, boring is (laughs) faded. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was wondering. I thought, oh. You that maniacal Wow. We got somebody yeah, else going to play this game. All right, we're going to move on to McDonald's here. Dan, you're up. Trade it or fade it?
3: Yeah, I think you it, listen, this thing trades, um, you know, at a premium to the market pretty consistently, um, and I think you fade this one. It's up 10% since the start of uh, April here, and it's been a very good... There's no reason to, like, fade it. I, I mean, you know, it's doing well, and it's not... You know, the other one has a really material earnings story where they're getting back to those peak earnings. This is the, the Chipotle. This is just a steady earner here, so to me, I, I just don't know why you buy it here. I think the, a lot of these names that have been outperforming of late, you wait until their Q2 earnings come out in their guidance, and then you may take it just you see, I, I would like totally... Yeah, look, you're a buyer right As here. I think,
2: you know, I'm a buyer. I'm a trader. I trade it. Um, And they had same store sales growth of 5.4 percent in the first quarter relative to themselves. I mean, this is this is a growth stock. This is a stock that people were saying was done. People didn't like the trend. They didn't like the quality of the food. Um, They've turned that around. And and to me, the multiple at around 26 times um, is 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 very defendable when you look at Chipotle and other names.
5: So I'd be trading this one. So it is expensive. The valuation's high. I'd be looking for pullbacks to add to a position here. This is the kind of stock where when the economy slows, if we enter a recession, it's going to give you some protection, right? Because consumers will downshift to eating more fast food, and it's very inexpensive food.
0: All right. Starbucks. Carter's up. Trade it or fade it?
4: So this one is off the chain, as the expression goes, right? I mean, last June it was $47. that means? Well, that means like it's. Carter's it's, adding it's, his own terms It's, it's, tonight, it's which off, is and, and you've got to go chase it or let the thing go, meaning you no longer control the situation.
2: Well, that's the well, one with the bird. That's wait, the game that's we the play bird. with the bird. That
4: so, well, that no, but you... I, well, so
2: here's the deal. <laughs> Carter's almost as bad this stuff as guy. His
4: worst. It was $47, it was $47 <laughs> in June. It's $87 now. It very rarely gets this far above its 150 moving average, and it is not as defensive a stock as people think. I think you.
0: Oh, okay. Very good. At the end. Got an yeah, I'm trading it
2: again. I've been trading this one for a long time. I think Starbucks, every time they have a bad number and the stock has had some volatility, certainly on earnings announcements and guides, um, it's been an opportunity to step in there and buy. It. Yes, it may be a bit overbought. Um, but they continue to have margins that support a, a business that may not be as, gr- as strong as it was two years ago.
0: Valuation concern you on this, Stan. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, listen, I, I think that is the story. And, I, and, you know, it's a little different, though. They have much higher EPS growth. McDonald's expected to have low single-digit EPS growth, flat sales growth. I mean, so to me, you know, Starbucks is actually more defensible relative to their growth on valuation, but I'm a fader of both of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right, Mark Zephyr, you're up. Darden, trade it or fade it?
5: I'm trading this one. I like Darden a lot. So, they really have best in class operations when it comes to the restaurant industry. Casual dining's on fire. Olive Garden, Longhorn, they're doing really Long well home. there. They're really working <laughs> on making the customer experience them. a lot better. And, you know, that they're good. simplifying the menu. So, everything looks good when it comes to Darden.
2: I was, thinking about, I was thinking of Foghorn Leghorn, actually. When you really sit long, I don't know. Yeah, he was funny. <laughs> what can I tell you? Um, I'm a buyer, so I would trade this as well. I, I do think that you, the trends here, these guys are able to actually make more out of the consumer. And again, that middle to upper middle class, um, as far as we can see, uh, margins will continue to be an upward trend. Actually, food costs are going down. We've confronted labor costs, and I think they're doing okay. Uh, trade it.
0: It's oh, nice. Going. Carter, that was the best time <laughs> ever. <laughs> you you, you guys have the, you, you have the fun? Thing if you want to have the
4: funding and you want to talk your thing and then give your answer. It's like everything in life. Hold off and then surprise. Oh, but anyway, you. it's about to break out.
0: Simple okay. as that. All right. Well, despite the record run in the consumer sectors, options traders are betting the staples trade could be coming undone. Dan, why don't you break it down? Yeah,
3: so let's look at the XLP. That's the ETF that tracks the, um, the consumer staples group. That was put volume is four times that of call today. There was one trade that caught my eye. There was an opening buyer of 10,000 of the July 59 puts, um, paying 62 cents for those when the stock was 58.75. Those break even less than 1% between now and July 19th expiration. That's a pretty good at-the-money um, sort of bearish exposure here. Why might a trader be looking at the XLP? Well, next week, we're going to get a large multinational Pepsi reporting their Q2 earnings on the close. I think it's on the uh, on the 9th there. And the implied movement in Pepsi is about 3%. But that chart that we just showed you in the XLP looks like possibly a double top there, finding some resistance at the prior high. There's the Pepsi chart. Broke out earlier this year and just kept on going. And I'll throw Pepsi again into that category. Low single digits EPS and sales growth trading at about 24 times. Kind of expensive here. I'm not telling you that if you think is going the mixed next week, then you go out and buy XLP puts. But XLP puts are dollar cheap and they're vault cheap over the next couple weeks.
0: All right, so these two had a little skirmish yesterday about sugar water makers, oh yeah. like sure a did. Coca-Cola yeah. and a Pepsi yeah. ball. So why don't you settle the score? What do the charts look like for well, the guys Well, they're quite different,
4: actually. Pepsi's been the the, the mm-hmm. big performer and Coke's been the laggard. I think it's Coke for the ketchup trade, trade, yes. it, and Pepsi <laughs> for the fade it.
0: Interesting. Nice, my Nicely man. done on That's that one. That's my man, $10. and he's very succinct. For more options action, check out the full show on Friday. Yes, we've got a full show on Friday, the day after the July 4th holiday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Still ahead on Fast Money, Nike pulling the release of its newest sneaker after NFL star-turned-activist Colin Kaepernick called it offensive. Is the company getting too political? And later, Bitcoin holders, hodlers, riding the crypto coaster today as the digital currency plunged below 10K and then rallied back hard. We'll tell you where it could be headed next when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Nike pulling a new set of shoes. According to the Wall Street Journal, former NFL player turned activist Colin Kaepernick told the company the early American flag on the shoes, known as the Betsy Ross flag, symbolizes an era when slavery was legal. In September, Nike made headlines unveiling Kaepernick as the face of its Just Do It campaign and releasing an ad featuring this athlete. Nike issued a statement this afternoon saying it made its decision to pull the shoes based on concerns that it could unintentionally offend and detract from the nation's patriotic holiday. The stock was down around 1% today. So the question is... Nike getting a little bit too political here, or should you be concerned about what the company is doing here?
5: I'm a little concerned, yeah. I mean, I love the company. I love everything they're doing. Management's executing really well. I love their triple-double strategy, direct-to-consumers working. But this just baffles me. I mean, for them to, to make a move like this based on something they heard from Colin Kaepernick, I just, I think it's crazy. Um, yeah. I am a little confused as to why management would not make that call on their own. If well, they so- made that call on their own, I'd be okay with it. But hearing that it came from Colin Kaepernick, that's what bothers Didn't me. Didn't they well,
0: cross he- this bridge, though, when they made yeah. Colin Kaepernick the face of the campaign? I mean, by choosing him, a lot of people took offense with what he stood for in terms of, na- of kneeling during the national anthem. But they pulled that yet- ad
5: two weeks after they started running it. They Maybe they'd better them. check with him first. No, they so don't. I think to Melissa's point is that they,
3: they've signed him on as a brand ambassador. Okay, right. So they've gone down this path. And if they offend you by decisions that they make, they're not really worried about that. They kind of did a lot of polling after that initial ad. And it, it, it did really, you know, it was good for their brand. And then so. back, well, to business. It,
4: yeah. back to business. It's underperforming Puma. It's underperforming Adidas. The stock is sort of uh, stalled here.
2: Well, that's fair because it had outperformed them and eaten their lunch for 18 months, and and, and their sales have only grown since they embraced Colin yeah. Kaepernick. Yeah. Just to be clear, um, you know, my personal view—no one really cares about my personal view—but but since when did this flag become a symbol of slavery? I, I I don't know. I, in general, as an investor, I would rather not see my companies get political. Um, I think you have a dynamic here where where um, it it can be dangerous with Colin Kaepernick, and I'll say this about Nike: Nike has always been very in touch with what their customers want. If anything, for a while there they may have gotten a little far and the innovation and some of the other I, I think they are right on the pulse of where they want to be and, and Nike as a company here, this does not concern me at all. Okay.
0: Coming up, uh, EA getting an early life today as the extra extra life today as the gaming company launched a new season of Apex Legends in the fight for battle royale supremacy. But can it really dethrone Fortnite? We've got a special report. Plus, Bitcoin going absolutely bonkers in the last week, racing up towards 14,000 and then crashing. But the chartmaster says keep calm and hold on. He will explain when Fast Money returns. You want to take a check on shares of Tesla, still holding on to its after hours gain up more than 7% here after the company posted record delivery numbers for Q2 beating for the SX deliveries as well as the Model 3 deliveries. Um, Tesla, we should note, still down about 30% year to date, even with the stellar performance it had in June. Moving on to another market battleground, EA Showdown against Fortnite entering a second round with a new season for its hit battle royale game Apex Legends. Josh Lifton's got the details from San Francisco. Hey, Josh.
9: Melissa, the new season of Apex Legends is officially live with a new character, new weapon, and what are called new skins, meaning new costumes for the characters. EA executives, remember, say that Apex Legends is the fastest growing new game the company has ever had, and they think net bookings or adjusted revenue from that game could be as much as $400 million in fiscal 2020, but for all that hype, analysts say their checks indicate that the initial fervor surrounding this game actually cooled in in part that's because the company didn't update the game as quickly as the competition, meaning this game, Fortnite, another free-to-play battle royale game, which has racked up 250 million players and nearly $4 billion in estimated revenue now. That's according to Superdata Research. So can EA spark renewed interest in Apex Legends with this new season and give that stock, which is already up some 30% this year, a lift? Some on the street clearly hopeful. Michael Pactor of Wedbush thinks EA can do as much as $600 million in net bookings, so more than the company actually forecasts. Analysts also point out that there doesn't have to be just one winner with this style of game either, that Apex Legends and Fortnite can and do appeal to different demographics. So which publicly traded game publishers can now capitalize on this trend? Well, analysts say EA is well-positioned, but they believe Activision could also make a strong move in this market too, perhaps offering a version of its popular Call of Duty game as a free-to-play title as well. Melissa.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, Josh Lipton in San Francisco. A lot of optimism going into this release, Wedbush raising its target, price target prior to this uh, move. So, Carter, where do you stand on, on EA?
4: I mean, look, this is the classic bearish to bullish reversal, something that's bombed out, that's been basing and working higher gradually and deliberately rather than impetuously and impulsively. The idea is that the action is developmental. I like it a lot, and I think there's more to go.
0: He really raises the notch on the vocabulary. You know, I tell you what, easy wordsmith, easy
6: wordsmith,
4: and words you all know. Words words developmental is different from impulsive and impulsive. impulsive.
2: Brilliant, yeah. And and I think if you if you find the people that are big EA users and fans of the company, it it is they are you know feeling very passionate about what's going on with Apex Legends. Uh, To me, what's going on with a lot of the big video game. plays and manufacturers, they almost should be treated like studios. Um, These releases are are really making or breaking their years. Um, We still think that this could be maybe a takeout play Um, when you think of the content and you think of the crossroads between mainstream media and what this has become.
3: Yeah, I just mentioned, though, back in February when the company reported their fiscal Q3 in early February, it had a huge gap down, very disappointing results. You remember then they released their Apex Legends numbers, and the stock went from 80 to 110 in a straight line. Now, 30 over, million shares, yeah, 10% o- of the- Over oh. a week, okay? And since then, obviously, the stock has kind of settled back in here, um, but it's actually found a home, like you're saying. I think that trading at 22 times and given what their expected growth is, and then when you see the potential for the second season to maybe outperform um, the first season, then you start seeing a path. Forward with these Battle Royale games. Um, with what Josh just said, think about this. Fortnite has 200 million plus active users. Like I mean, showing that's, a slowdown. I know, but, but, the, but they're crazy numbers, you know, and, and I just remember. So, so to me, I, I think it's really interesting here. The stock is up 10% in the last month,
5: so I don't think you chase it until you get more clarity about what the second season yeah. is. So I like an own Activision, and I've been wrong on this thing for a while now. You know, Call of Duty was really the 800 pound gorilla. I don't know if it was overconfidence or greed on the part of Activision, but they still priced the game at 60 bucks when they released it. And I think that's hurting them. I, I mean, this free to play, that's the way to go. In-game purchases, that's where all the money's made. So I think the positive catalyst is ahead for Activision right now. So now that's this, where I'd be putting my money. Is bottoming. Yeah.
0: All right, still ahead. Bitcoin on a roller coaster ride the last week, but there is something in the charts that suggests a bigger breakout. We will explain. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another wild ride on the crypto coaster today as Bitcoin plunged below 10,000 before bouncing back. The chartmaster calling for a move to this uh, 10,000 level two weeks ago.
4: What we've got here is this, and then a consolidation. This, and then a consolidation. It's just breaking out. So we're back to the days of the Bitcoin bug. Perhaps I think the important thing is not about how high it can go. It's that the lows of December are likely to stand as important lows, and that this is an enduring thing uh, to be played on the long side.
0: Lucky okay there, the Bitcoin bug appears. Carter, what's next for Bitcoin?
4: Well, this is the Wild West, to say the least. But let's draw some lines, because you always can. That's the, the beauty of charts. So we know around 3,000 uh, mated lows in December, and we've had this great run-up. But really, it's quite optical. It's quite orderly, despite all the sensationalism. It has been a well-defined trend line, and it has found that trend line repeatedly. And the sell-off today, it's a four-session sell-off, peak to trough of 30%. We essentially got quite close to the trend line. Uh, Charts are important, not because I say so, because they've been around for hundreds of years. The level is right, and I think the betting should be that you will get a bounce, you will get a bounce, you will get a bounce, and you will get a bounce. Let's pull this back a few more times. Here, to put in perspective, is the bigger picture. We know we had this huge consolidation, which is what this is, and effectively, I think, that is your optical setup. Pull it back a little bit more our all-time high at nineteen thousand five hundred can we get there that's anybody's guess but what we do know is this is quite orderly the lows should stand as major lows in december and this pullback thirty percent i think it's an opportunity to get long if you're not long
2: already hey carter is is the downward is the chart basically that broke down um... why is that not possible every time um, in other words we saw that Bitcoin basically threw those Decembers up to the December lows, actually at one point really just gave up and and you had to est- is it about establishing a new base
4: well that 's right, but remember if you really had a long term uh, chart of course it 's not only down here but it 's down to the carpet down to the floor, down to the floor <laughs> below us right so it 's still way, way up from its inception in that sense and i 've left that off of here to put this current action in more uh, sort of immediate relief, but the point is that this was such a big base and it was so abandoned and it was so hated just as this was such a base from which it collapsed so that you had really this standoff and you had this epic collapse you had a base again and now you've had this very symmetrical recovery i think that establishes those lows as the main event you
0: got the bulls coming out of the woodwork once again Carter is twenty k a call for twenty k is that nuts in your view
4: uh, you know uh, former highs uh, are important and, you know, this thing, it can move 30% down. You could do that in a matter of hours. The truth is, right, so it's trades 24-7. Uh, I, I like the pullback. I think that's key because the pullbacks are what actually keep it going because you're shaking people out. You're, you're hurting people every time you pull back who won't come back again or who maybe will when it's much higher.
0: So it's not nuts.
4: I don't think it's nuts. And the, and the first chart you saw is very chartable.
0: Yep. Carter, thanks for that. Up next, final trades. Time for the final trade,
2: Tim Seymour. Five point four percent same store sales comps in the first quarter for McDonald's are really important. I think companies actually accelerating their top line, not just their profitability.
0: Carter Worth,
4: the best food of all. Domino's not necessarily the food, but the stock, the best performing stock, blows away Starbucks. Love it long.
5: Mark Tepper, United Health. So the multiples down because of political headwinds, but they have a ton of fundamental momentum.
0: Dan Nathan?
3: Uh, Yeah, consumer staples, I think they're a bit too expensive, a bit too extended here, and at resistance. So I think you sell Procter the big daddy All
0: right, that does it for us. You can see Fast Money once again, 5 p.m. on Friday. Meantime, I will see you on Squawk Box tomorrow morning. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.